Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll review Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, NXT, we talk about pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, joined by Michael Sidrick. And sir, we are gathered here to... We are socially distanced here today to talk about a new dawn for AEW. But before we do that, we haven't seen each other in over a week. Michael Sidrick, how are you doing, mate? I'm very well. I'm very well. What's happened is that, as I predicted on uh, either one of the preview or the review pods for AEW, is that, funnily enough, this company isn't dead. Everything will change once the <laughs> Wednesday Night Wars are over. The discourse about oh, getting winning factions and oh god, I can't keep track of all these characters. It'll completely die out. There'll be a new dawn, and funnily enough, that's what we're here for. Which is funny. I left for a week to go on holiday, and on that week, the take was: young books are descending into melodrama parody amid ratings crisis. And then when I'm away for a week, it suddenly becomes: young books generate second highest dynamite rating ever with TV all-time classic. So mm. it kind of just puts into perspective just the take game and how much you can just be completely undone if you unleash a hot one too quick. I didn't do that. You don't get this on the Credible Podcast, but my holiday was lovely. Tell you what, it's just nice for the world to come back to a relatively safe and new normal. It was it's so funny. We were alluding to it on the podcast last week of you left having written all about uh, wrestlemania uh, still available at whatculture.com all of michael sidrick's takes of course um you know wwe feeling in a very strong position especially comparable to AEW, who'd done a bit of a rubbish number on dynamite wasn't a great show is a bit all over the place and you know a lot of goodwill towards towards wwe and over the space of the next few days they had a dreadful roar after wrestlemania uh, nxt was was very enjoyable uh, and did a decent number. And I sense, like me at that point, you thought, hello, this might be something here for, for Dynamite. Dynamite smashed it out of the park. Then it hits a 1.2 million when the ratings come out on uh, on Thursday night. Amidst WWE releasing talent, they always find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, 
heard Gary Neville use that phrase today, and I'm just going to steal it. Um, so, yeah, it, ridiculous. Let's talk about that rating, first of all. Um, we'll obviously talk more about Dynamite on our previews and reviews over the next few days because um, now you're back. Yeah, we do we do previews and reviews pretty much every single day because there's wrestling all the sodding time. But that's good because we get a bit of a line on the Thursday. But anyway, 1.2 million viewers for AW Dynamite. Like you said, I think the second highest number they've ever done an incredible, uh, I think it was 0.44, Andy said on the news this morning uh, yeah. in, in the demos. Your reaction to that, uh, and, and like I said, the build to that off the NXT number. Did you see this coming? Um, I didn't say it come to that quite that extent. If I were on the preview, I probably would have went with 900, purely because that still would have been a very respectable climb. It would have represented the fact that AEW's taken some of those floating voters, if you like, or the, the people who were firmly establishing their viewing habits of NXT. And now that there was no direct head-to-head competition, but I thought, you know what? I haven't given this enough of a chance. Let's watch it. I thought 1.2 is a spectacular number. Um, it's really not that far away in terms of overall viewership from WWE's record low that they posted last year. Um, I expect the raw numbers to go further towards that than any higher on the l- lack of strength completely from what I've heard about. But why would I watch it? I was on holiday. I'll be more <laughs> after WrestleMania. Um, no, it was a strong, strong, encouraging number. But I've just got this horrible feeling with the discourse being as it is that uh, triumph last week is going to become a disaster this week when they fail to hold it, which I think they will. Mm. And yet they are building towards blood and guts, which is might even surpass the 1.2 and the 0.44. Um, ultimately, what this is, if not a new dawn, they've given themselves the perfect platform for it. Um, and again, it just brings into focus how much people didn't consider NX, uh, WWE's like immense acumen in positioning NXT against AEW. The whole point was to get them away from those kinds of eye-opening, Jesus Christ, this might be legit domestic competition numbers. Um, said all along that AEW couldn't continue to grow to the extent that the product deserved to mm-hmm. as long as NXT with its micro penis energy was following <laughs> AEW around on Wednesday nights like a skid mark. Just adding a little bit of sting to that number. And now that NXT isn't there, it feels like we've seen at least, if nothing else, the potential for it to hit truly impressive modern numbers, at least as it pertains to uh, the competition, which is the point of all this. You're not going to get an attitude of boom. You're just not going to do it but if they can truly take away some of that domestic market share then there's an actual war not a wednesday night war but an mm. actual flagship war um coming up i was delighted um i feel like a great product should be rewarded um so yeah good news all around for aew i did not however see it coming mm. it, it, we joke on this podcast about you being the AW guy and Hamlet being the NXT guy. And let's not forget, you were the NXT guy in the What Culture office a few years ago. Uh, and I try and put on a multitude of hats and just wind everyone up, basically. Um, but like, it, it re- this really is beneficial for, I mean, not just this number, but the splitting of the nights is beneficial for everyone. And I'm not just talking about someone who woke up surprisingly rested on Thursday morning last week. Like, AEW uh, obviously did a great number and a great show, which I'll, I'll talk about in terms of going forward in a second. Um, but NXT did a really good number and also did a really good show. And I realise that WWE, you know, 
certainly Vince probably perceives it as just like a a, a thing to just throw in uh, AEW's path. But in reality, for those of us who, like you say, enjoy the product, I, I particularly enjoyed last week's show. Uh, and the fact that maybe, you know, you can counter this with, with what happened when they first launched Opposite uh, Dynamite. It didn't feel grabby. It just felt like, here's a wrestling show. If you like it, you'll probably like what's going forward. It's not like 10 title matches and, hey, maybe Seth Rollins might show up or stuff like that. It was just, it worked a lot better. Uh, I want to talk as well a, a bit about in a bit about a, uh, about WWE changing their attitude towards AEW. But I, it, you mentioned the wars there, and everyone obviously talks about the whole oh, mankind's won the title. That'll put bums on seats, and the swing that gave in in the Monday Night Wars. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that what happened here is the beginning of the end of WWE. You often talk about how WWE's just future proofed itself forever, even if there was like ten people watching. But your thoughts beforehand and then like we say we've seen the fallout from it all of wwe going let's get chris jericho from that piss ant company to come on stone cold steve austin's podcast and be highlighted off the back of the biggest show of the year chris jericho stone cold steve austin's broken school podcast and he was there and he wasn't told don't bloody mention AEW or anything like that he was almost a you know a, a talisman of, of AEW and you know, I'm not saying that is the main reason why AW popped a huge number, but clueless from Vince in terms of a business strategy. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I've got a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm going to have to cobble them together with a degree of coherence, um, but I'll try to do that. I was surprised by this, and I was also a little bit infuriated because there's a certain pocket of... Um, wrestling fans, the vast yeah. majority of which can be found on our Red Square Circle, who are just completely impressionable. They'll hear somebody say something that, if you look at it one way, yeah, that makes a bit of sense. And if they're a respected voice, instantly that just becomes the correct take and the correct opinion. What happened was CM Punk was interviewed about the news that Chris Jericho was to appear on the WWE Network as a contracted AEW performer, and CM Punk said, and I'll be funny, he himself says he's not really in the loop that much anymore, but, you know, CM Punk's voice, you know, it holds more weight than mine, obviously. And he said, well, I guess that means Vince doesn't care about AEW and doesn't really see them as competition. And I thought that was absolute bollocks from the start. And guess what? I'd hate to put myself over as much as I'm doing on this podcast, but it was a complete load of bollocks because... Vince McMahon allowing Chris Jericho to appear on the WWE Network is one thing. Warehousing literal generations of talent, so many of which can't even appear on NXT, much less Raw or SmackDown, because A, they're inept, and B, there's actually not enough room. The entire recruitment model of WWE, as exorbitant as it is in its cost, functions to thwart the rise of AEW. And even before then, they were picking up guys they would never have considered five years prior because they were looking at the rise of the independent circuit and the New Japan Western expansion thinking, we can't have any of that. Let's recruit the guys that they would look to recruit and put them in NXT and build like the critical acclaim brand because that's where the some of the direction of pro wrestling is heading. They've positioned NXT against AEW for the exact purpose of being scared of their profile, the rights fee, the level of star power, those early pay-per-view attendances and the old normal. So I thought CM Punk's take was a load of bollocks. And I thought the take that you should believe what he says at face value because it's simply CM Punk was a load of bollocks. Um, 
Oh, I was shocked. But I wasn't shocked in, oh, Christ, well, he mustn't think less of AEW. Here's the thing about Vince McMahon, right? He's, he's a soulless mobster, <laughs> right? Evil man in so many respects. If you look at the Jimmy Snooker, the Ring Boy stuff, the Own Heart, like he can, I think, fairly categorize Vince McMahon as evil. However, in terms of the loyalty he shows to various guys who, caveat, have made him a lot of money, a lot of people confuse that with benevolence. Like when he rang up Big Show, mm. apparently. When Big Show rang him up and said, look, I'm going to AEW, Vince McMahon reportedly said, oh, good job, pal. I'm happy for you. You'll be a success there. He's like been, he's given a lot of money or let people have things that you wouldn't have expected him to let them have over the years. If you've made Vince McMahon vast sums of money over the years, he'll probably be a little bit nicer to you than most. <laughs> but you, the caveat is you probably have to have made him a lot of money. So when the news first broke of Chris Jericho appearing on the WWE Network, I didn't think of it as anything other than he's forged a long-term, closely-held relationship with Chris Jericho over the, what, 2019 years they worked together and thought, oh, go on, I'll do him this favor. Why not? It's only on the network. And obviously it's to his cost. It's gave AEW a ton of free publicity. Um, even before you get into the content where he talked a lot about AEW, the conversation swung back in AEW's favor. And as you said, on WrestleMania weekend, thought it was a silly decision that he probably didn't consider that much. And at the same time, I think maybe it's overstated in terms of informing that AEW Dynamite rating, but at the, the very least, it was a silly, silly, silly decision. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Looking forward, then, we reported in the news today that WWE are, quote, changing their attitude towards AEW, possibly off the back of that monster number and uh, all the buzz that surrounds it, of course. Like you say, it's weird because on the one hand, you hear people, and it's not just CM Punk, I mean, I think I, I remember hearing Jim Cornette maybe even last week saying uh, about how, you know, they probably let Jericho on there because they don't consider you know, AW competition, they consider them minor leagues, which is surreal oh. considering considering when TNA was a thing and even it still is a thing, Impact Wrestling is a, is a thing, that they just go, well, this guy's been wrestling somewhere else in a company we're not going to mention sort of thing. And, and, you know, that's maybe changed slightly in terms of using clips and footage going forward. But even so, that, which was quite blatantly not a war, was still considered something to, to just be hushed up and we're not even going to give them, you know, uh, the chance of some exposure vicariously promoting our talent that we've just signed or whatever. I don't, I, I don't know what this attitude change is going to be because it, it's like, okay, now we're going to take them seriously. Well, what's the last 18 months been? I think it's a load of bollocks. As you said, like what well, has the last 18 months been this, these reports that, yeah, WWE is going to change that WWE is going to change that attitude towards AEW. A lot of bollocks. The attitude simply never changed. And that attitude is manifested in the recruitment model in the decision to um, move NXT from the network to the USA network on that specific day. I don't think the attitude has ever changed once. And I think it's been wildly overstated by the wrestling media that the attitude ever changed in the first place as a result of Chris Jericho appearing on this goddamn podcast. I want to mention two names here. And I want to make it explicitly clear that I'm not disrespecting these two talents at all, right? I'm going to say that once more so it's crystal clear. I'm not disrespecting these two talents at all. However, however, if you look at the sheer volume of names WWE has recruited in recent years. If you read reports in February, I think, where they seem to realize, hang on, we understand we've got an age problem and we're looking at the Elimination Chamber Raw main event as closely as everybody else and we are going to actively recruit several more generations of young talent to to the performance center, which they in fact did. They have also, in parallel, signed Ty Valkyrie and Eli Drake. Frankie, I think her name is now, and LA Knight, Eli Drake has become. I just, they do not need those talents, right? They've got several more talents who they've got absolutely no intention of featuring in prominent roles anytime soon. There were several women recruited and they filled out the uh, the brackets in the Women's Dusty Cup and you've never seen them on NXT since. They've been rarely featured since. Like, they do not need these names they were recruited in the weeks before 
Chris Jericho appeared on that goddamn podcast because AEW still exists. And AEW, despite, again, wildly overstated reports of crisis or tumbling ratings, was still a top five, top 10 presence on cable television. I don't think the attitude's changed at all. I don't think that attitude had ever changed, as you pointed out. Um, so WWE should be taking AEW more seriously. I think that number this past week, the 1.2.44, certainly was a massive eye-opener as if, oh, Jesus Christ, like this is way more of a, of a gain than anyone really forecast. So I can understand why they've got a renewed sense of panic and a renewed sense of urgency and realising, hang on, like this is genuine competition that might not have felt like that for a few weeks. I don't think anything about their business practices changed. Um, the difficult part for WWE is in terms of if, in fact, they've if in fact they decided, oh, hang on, maybe they're not that much of a threat. Those numbers are going down a little bit. Revolution was a bit of a dud. Like these things happening and converging together created this narrative that spun out of control, in my opinion. If in fact they are thinking, hang on, AEW is a threat again. Not, well, they've always been a threat, hence why we've been dicks about it for the past two years. They, at this point, on the evidence of what happened after WrestleMania, can do nothing about it. Sucked for them. Nothing about it. There's an, a prevalent idea, and I hate it. Like Steve Austin, who's usually so switched on, like continues to parrot this, and I cannot deal with that. I think he said it on the on the podcast itself, the Broken Skull Sessions. The best thing about competition is that it's a fire under everyone's ass, and wrestling's better for everyone. WWE is somehow even worse than it was in 2019 before <laughs> AEW properly existed. Like the success of AEW's product and 174 million reasons confirm, yes, it is in fact a success. And you got 1.2 more of them um, this past week. AEW's success and its foothold in this like monopolized market has not improved WWE for the better. It was always an ancient myth that, I oh, you know, Vincent Mann loves competition. Yeah, I'm sure he gets pissy and moany when Stephanie McMahon beats him in a pool game at the mansion with Triple H and he retreats to bed. This is a real story. This is a real story. He got beat in a game of pool, got pissy and went to bed and uh, they did a prank call and he just went, growled and put the phone down from across the, 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 the halls of the mansion. Yeah, that might be in his nature, but he, he might like to compete. He can't win. Like, he's lost it. He's absolutely lost it. And the mentality of that company now is that the last time they were faced with a with an actual existential threat, of which AEW isn't because WWE is so future-proof, he changed things. He completely revamped the aesthetic and the format and the attitude of Monday Night Raw because he knew he was up against it. He still had the capacity to be very good, but in a different new way. Yeah, he's completely lost it. His brain is kind of soupy. I've said this before. Um, look, they can't do anything about this. If in fact this is a new thing and the 1.2 might hold or dip down to only 1.1 and then blood and guts comes and it does a rating comparable to Raw. Well, tough titties. Like the WWE isn't capable of doing anything about it. They're still savvy in a cynical business sense and it's a good job they've got Nick Khan who can make actual moves. But in terms of the creative product, the thing that actually matters or in WWE's case does not, they can't do a thing about it. Mm, yeah, I, I don't who's left to hire realistically. Who's left to bring back in, sh in in lieu of them fundamentally changing a product that the money that they rake in tells them, I oh, don't need to change anything. Like, who's left to bring back? Like, who's not been stigmatized as just a guy who 
oh yeah, he's a solid B-level main event guy we can put on WrestleMania Backlash in the main event or whatever, but like a true needle mover that will leave this piss on AEW company in the dust. Like no such guy exists. Yeah, it was kind of disheartening as well last week when you saw that number that the Raw after WrestleMania did, purely because it was the Raw after WrestleMania, because I thought it was an awful show. And uh, we'll get into your thoughts more, no, no doubt, on the uh, Raw review tomorrow. But well, I, it's yeah, another awful show. I, yeah, I, this is the thing. I know, and, you know, we did have the SmackDown following the AEW ratings, but it'd be intriguing to see, you know, what they do tonight. And like you say, my, my thinking is when they're like, right, well, okay, now we're going to try. It's like, okay, now more micromanagement of a, of a show that really should just be allowed to, you know, that, that is, that is at its best, both main roster shows, is at its best when the run, person running the show is stranded over in Saudi Arabia and someone else has to run it and just knocks out in the park because they, they aren't getting someone over their shoulder telling them to do this and, a million camera cuts there and what have you talking about this week then looking ahead what happens this week for AEW because the thing is uh, disregarding the first show they did which obviously did that monster number and stuff a lot of the times when they do these big numbers because of you know whether it be big names or celebrity endorsement or whatever I found personally and I think you might agree with me on this that they haven't actually done a great show they've just gone oh big number with a big name but you know the bits aren't in order as they are on certain other dynamite shows where they're just sort of left to their own devices I thought Hamlet thought Andy thought last week's show was great and in terms of yeah I agree the number will drop next, next this week I believe um, just because of you know, the casual nature of wrestling fans and maybe NXT fans tuned in and then went, oh, no, I can't support the competition or whatever it may be. You can like both shows just to let you know. What do you think happens this week? Because in terms of retaining viewers, I can't wait to see what they do this week. Yeah, I mean, that card looks great. That card looks great for the people who are predisposed to really enjoying AEW Dynamite. Um, Hangman Page versus Ricky Starks, please open the goddamn show. Like That's absolutely tremendous, um, a tremendous proposition. They've done a really good job of building Ty Conti, who in fact has um, showcased the ability to grow the audience. Um, there aren't the big-time big hitters in a match. Like Chris Jericho's importance can't be overstated. His match with um, Dax Harwood was the peak. He's not working this show. Um, Darby Allen, however, is. And his main events, even amid the period in most of March, where it was feeling a little bit like, oh, Christ, these ratings aren't particularly great at all. Every quarter he did, did a monster of a number by relative modern standards. Um, so I don't know. I think it's going to go down quite drastically to nine, to the mid-nine region. Um, but again, blood and guts is on the horizon. I would, if I'm them, I'd be overjoyed that we got that they got that rating, um, last week, but I would still consider it a bonus. If I was them, I would still consider that. Oh, it's nice that we got that, but we were expecting to get that blood and guts. All right, okay. Um, let's use the number to put on a great show, which the card looks like it's going to be great. Um, I think things will settle back down to uh don't want to say an anti-climax but like a reality check if you like mm -hmm. to a nine to a mid nine number i think the show can't fail looking at it it just looks like it's too strong on paper like there's so much good action on the on on the horizon for that show but i think there'll be a bit of a reality check but they won't mind because i think the whole idea was we're probably going to get an improved number now that we don't have head-to-head -head competition but the real numbers blood and guts so i think if I've learned anything, Will Warren, over the last year, or this calendar year specifically, 
is that the the wild swings in momentum and the discourse. I've just taken a step back. I won't panic about a 300,000 viewership drop off, knowing that Blood and Guts is there or knowing that they have the potential in June to do something, not on the level of Blood and Guts. That's like major. That should be your best ever rating. But they've, they will build an audience. They will have some of that audience drop off. It's basically just going to go in a zigzag, a nice little chevron pattern, I think, from here on out. And if that's good enough for TNT and that's good enough to have the best wrestling shows remain on television, then that'll be for me. I don't think beyond blood and guts, we're going to see any consistently, Jesus Christ, this is happening. This is happening. They're competing with war. They're competing with war. I don't think that happens until the pandemic is over. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. And like you always say, and you've said this from the beginning, it's always, you know, regardless of people saying, oh, they need to hit a million. They need to do that. As long as TNT are happy, I think that's the most important thing for them. And they're clearly very, very happy with what's going on. One final thing to talk to you about, of course, over the last few days, everyone has been talking about these WWE releases. Um, and, you know, I'm, I was as guilty as the rest of everyone by saying, oh, well, AEW should pick up Samoa Joe and the Iconics and maybe Mickey James and, you know, whoever, Chelsea Green or whoever else it may be. You've got to be realistic. A, the accusations of was just, you know, TNA 2.0 in terms of like, if you've been fired from WWE, walk straight into a job and a, and a main roster spot here. Um, you know, they're not going to automatically just sign all 10 or even, all, you know, half of them or whatever it may be. And Meltzer himself, when talking about that iffy state of, of AEW a week or so ago, was saying, look how many people they've had on TV and they've got, you know, bucket loads of talent that they're spreading across dark and dark elevation and, of course, dynamite. But what do you reckon in terms of AEW signing these releases? Do you see him signing any of them, some of them, all of them? I, I don't know. I'd love to know your thoughts on it. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm not signing one of them. I'm not. Um, I think the extent to which there's loads of characters on this show, um, I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm split because I can follow the show. It's very easy. It's not Twin Peaks. Like, it's, <laughs> I love it, but you know, it's not late period David Lynch. It just isn't. Um, but the other side of that coin is yes, I can track it. I can understand it. I'm not a goldfish. I'm not a moron. But at the same time, um, if you try and use your imagination and you think, right, what's on that show that's good? And how much are people talking about it? Like something like the pinnacle and how good it's been. I know the Mike Tyson stuff hasn't been great, but like I trust them to get it done over the next however many weeks leading the blood and guts. I probably think that the pinnacle should be more of a talking point in the same way the inner circle were a talking point. Um, and that's because there is a lot on the show. And even if it's easy to keep track of, there's a there's so much of it that barely registers. Like you forget week to week that Ethan Page is involved in this company. Mm -hmm. And like theoretically, he's a new star signing and people are meant to like think that sense of hyping oh you might change the game or he might be a really big player on the show like that's meant to last goddamn longer than it has in the case of ethan page like his character's already talked about how he gets new opportunities it's like he's been there a month it's a bit <laughs> of an indictment when you think about it yeah um what i'm saying is i disagree to an extent that it's a huge chronic issue but there are still too many characters on the show they need that third hour um if you look at the level of talent and the complexion of talent that got released, like I don't think it's worth minimizing a Ricky Starks wrestling time on Dynamite 
or like undercutting the formation of the pinnacle by doing several more stable based storylines in their wake. I think it's worth this very precarious balance AEW has of roster management at presence by weighing it further by signing more of these ex-WWE guys. I've said all along, my consistent position has been, I don't care if they used to sign, used to work for WWE. There's no goddamn thing as a WWE guy. It's just, it's bollocks. No one owns anyone. They're independent contractors, so technically that's not even the case. But if you look at the actual names on a case-by-case basis, this will annoy a lot of people. And I think carefully preserved, right, because he didn't really work with the WWE schedule in the old world because his body's been thrashed. It was thrashed in TNA. Um, I think he did some very good stuff in NXT, but I don't think it was iconic life-affirming stuff that you'd go back and watch um, Samoa Joe's run, that is. I really like his ring work with um, AJ Styles, probably more than anything he did in NXT, to be fair, mm-hmm. in that 2018 feud, I think it was. Um, I don't think I would sign Samoa Joe. That's going to be like sacrilege to a lot of fans out there. But uh, like in 2020, if this happened, yes, get some more, Joe. But at some point, this recruitment drive has to actually stop. Mm. It just does. And if you have to like draw the line at someone, even if that someone is some more Joe, I think that the line has to be drawn somewhere. And they are, I mean, if you've got, as I said, I'm going to labor on this point a bit more. If you've just signed a guy in the form of Ethan Page, and the way that your TV functions at the minute, if you have to tell a story where your debutante is complaining that he hasn't had the opportunities, like that's that's an indictment of just how much is going on in the show and how little time there is for that stuff to be achieved. Um, yeah, I wouldn't sign Joe. His latter period work after the AJ Styles stuff just completely failed to impress me. He was thrashed. And I understand, it's just not 2006 anymore. Mm, yeah. um, as high on 2006 Samoa Joe as anyone, and indeed most wrestlers I've watched throughout my goddamn lifetime of watching this, but it isn't 2006 anymore. I understand he could be a special attraction figure. And I understand um, that he can be a part-timer, if you like. I understand that if you give him 20 minutes, away from WWE's micromanagement and he trains and he gets himself in the best possible shape um, and he heals up that he could do some amazing things in AEW, but the timing just isn't right. Absolutely not with a show the way it is. Um, Will Bond, I'm going to upset you here. Uh-oh. I think the Iconics brand of comedy worked, not subjectively, mind you, I never thought it was funny, but it worked within the context of WWE being quite bad. And it worked in the context of WWE's com- like general comedic style being quite broad and like over the top and cartoonish. Ah, that is, that's actual funny stuff in AEW. And I think if you got the Iconics to do their shtick in AEW, it would just age really quite badly. I think the charm would wear off um, very quickly. And realistically, they're not particularly good. They are not particularly good. I understand Peyton Royce in particular. Like, I reckon if she got loads of reps in, that she could be something. She could be a worker. I've seen glimpses of her stuff. Like, it's really quite creative. And um, she had that really good match with Asuka, but that was an aberration. If I'm AEW, I'm thinking, 
let it work when everything starts to slowly go back to normal, get those reps in and then take a look at it. Um, but I don't think their brand of comedy fits AEW. I think AEW is just funnier in general than WWE and couldn't really go. Um, so Samoa Joe, no. Iconics, no. Tucker, no. Like, no. He's, they've got such incredible in-ring talent that they can't use. I'm not saying Tucker's bad. In fact, I think he's underrated. But again, like, it's not like it, Tucker became available in 2019 before this roster ballooned. I'm thinking, ah, take a chance. Tall guy, telegenic. Like, he really came across as quite likable in NXT. Why not? But it's just the timing is not there. Um, look, I'm out of the loop. Remind me of some of the other names who were unfortunately released. I think Chelsea Green might stand a good chance of getting picked. Yeah, right. That's Yes, that's who was in my mind. If I was going to sign one, it would be Chelsea Green. I think she got done dirty. Um, obviously, there was an element of really piss poor fortune that she got injured literally as she got called up. But um, she can go. She's got a unique character. She can play different unique characters. Um I think she's like best friends with Dr. Britt Baker. Yeah. Not that nepotism should play a role. But then again, it's not the worst thing in the world. If you're good, you're good, irrespective of who your friends are. I would give Chelsea Green a proper run. I actually would. Um, because as much as we've raved about the improvements in that division, it's still not perfect. It's still lacking depth. Um, yeah, I would definitely give Chelsea Green the is all elite graphic. Mm. Yes, yeah, exciting times ahead to see what happens with that talent and with with AEW. I will point out that the uh, the no compete clause, if I if I've done my maths correct, runs out on a Wednesday. So you know what that means. Uh, but let us know your thoughts on this this new dawn ahead for AEW on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at at M Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for daily wrestling podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, including, of course, our previews and reviews of AEW Dynamite. But for now, this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.